0: The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain, but not all, investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL, Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money brought to you by wealth enhancement group helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity after all it's your money good sunday to
1: you rashini rajkumar here you're listening to your money on wcco radio with your hosts bruce and peg you've heard that investments love time well so does debt peg and uh... Peg and Bruce will talk about some tricks for managing and reducing debt today. Uh, and actually, it sounds like we do have a guest host today, so I'll let Peg get into that. You can text and call us today on our studio line, 651-989-9226. All week, you can get your questions in at 888-6ADVICE or email yourmoney@wealthenhancement.com. Peg, I'll let you take it away this morning. Thank you. Good
2: good morning. I actually have that uh, summer cold. So if people don't recognize my voice uh, or it, it doesn't sound like it normally does, it's just I feel great. I just sound a little uh, groggy. So, But good morning, everybody. Uh, Bruce has got a well-deserved day off. So, Bruce, I hope you're out there having a good time today. But we do have a special guest, Nicole Webb. Uh, Some of you might recognize that last name, but she is a Senior Vice President of Wealth Enhancement Group. She's Certified Financial Planner, uh, Roundtable Specialist. I'd like to say, Nicole, that you're actually a specialist more on the investment portfolio strategy side. And then she's actually the first one that went to the East Coast and opened up our New York City office. Some of you may actually have seen her because she's a frequent guest on Fox News and Bloomberg and our uh, Fox Business. Uh, Nicole, you actually have been in uh, the offices since, uh, probably for more than two decades because you used to come in with me, uh, when you were, uh, just only about, you know, four and a half feet tall. And here you are. <laughs> here you are, Nicole, 16 years with Wealth Enhancement Group already. Yeah,
3: uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I would like to say that beyond just opening the New York office, it it may be true that there was a few others that I saw uh, the first day that those doors opened as well. So it's been a long and amazing uh, tenure with the company. And so um, I'm really happy to be back. I was racking my brain peg. Mom, I might flip up. I don't know because I think it's been (laughs) five years since you and I, have done the radio show together so I'm really excited to be back Um, and truthfully uh you know, it's uh I have a lot less anxiety this morning than some of the other media outlets I do work with. So I know you're gonna be a bit nicer to me with your questions and I like that. <laughs> That's good. Nicole, I
1: love he- I love hearing you call her mom. That's so sweet because we know Peg as this, you know, kind of uh rocks well I should say not kind of a rock star financial advisor oh, with so, so much great advice. But she's also a mom, which is fun. Yeah.
3: You know, Rossini, yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I, you know, you get a little nostalgic coming back to do your mom's radio show with her. And I was thinking about some of my early introductory, uh, you know, uh, forays into public speaking with Peg. And I remember seeing her and she was such a like, force and this robot and she used to dance down an aisle to Shania Twain. So if anyone listening has been around listening to Peg for, you know, two decades or even 15 years... Um and I remember being like, these people need to know that she's also a human. And I remember doing her intro once and talking about her I don't know, Peg, how many tulip bulbs did you use to plant every spring? I mean it was like thousands in my in my well, memory. Five,
2: <laughs> five, it was five hundred. Five hundred bulbs I planted. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so, okay, yeah, ladies, you
3: know, I need to that see
1: that video of Peg dancing. So <laughs> oh, we need to maybe, get that. Everyone Nicole. needs to.
3: It's gotta yeah. be out there somewhere. I know it.
1: <laughs> it is. Well, so today
2: we're going to actually talk about debt, and debt, to me, it's, you know, we have enough stress in our lives in, in more ways than one, and debt actually can just be daunting to people. So, Nicole, I thought we would just walk through uh, some points about debt, let people know that there is some type of good debt, there's bad debt, but let's talk about avoiding debt altogether. Can,
3: can, is that even possible? I mean, yes. It, it, I mean, it, it is possible to live without bad debt, and I, I do firmly believe that. Although, uh, you know, uh, something that you say frequently is life is what happens when you're making other plans. So obviously things can, can come out of nowhere and bad debt can pop up, you know, and that's circumstantial. But when it comes to making the most out of, you know, average or predictable days, I would say, yes, bad debt does not need to be a part of anyone's financial plan. Um, and it's I think it really boils down to living within your means and sticking to a budget that you can truly stick to. Um, you know one of the ways I think about it is no budget works if it's if it's like a New year's resolution, you know, to work out where you go hot and heavy with it, you set unrealistic expectations. And then two weeks later you go, yeah, that budget's just not really realistic for me. Um, you know, I think that's something you can attest to, Peg, is if, you know, one of the first things we can see when we meet a newer prospective client is will they be financially successful? And it is so easy to know that answer when you take a look at how they've been consistently able to live within their means. And and I think that that is the foundation of you know uh, of having you know uh, a solid plan around debt and where it fits into your life.
2: Yeah, and I love when a prospective person comes in to see us, and not all of them have this um, done, but I love when they do have kind of a budget and where mm-hmm. they know where their money's going, and mm-hmm. they have some direction. And Mm -hmm. what's hard for people is, is, is life in general, right? We're being, Mm -hmm. we're being being drawn to all these shiny objects that we all would love to buy. And we we tend to want to put them on a credit card or we want to finance them. But when you, when you look at debt, which I see kind of the opposite of savings, Explain a little bit how there's such a spread between borrowing money and saving money, percentage-wise.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I go back to um, one of the things that you just said, which is, you know, there's there's so many flashy objects in front of us. Um, and I'm just going to say, you know, I'm human, too. And just recently, I actually forced myself to quit all social media platforms because I realized I was buying things or wanting things that didn't necessarily fit into my actual life or things that I wouldn't necessarily think I wanted unless I was, you know, trolling through Instagram or Facebook. So it is more difficult than ever, I think, to avoid that desire for things that probably are, you know, imperfect. And I guess, you know, what I would say is, um, you know, second to that, in addition to being marketed to always, we are in a period of inflation and that hasn't been around for a bit. And, and I think now, and I hope everyone listening can kind of nod their head with this, it is, it is very apparent that it is even more expensive than it was, you know, 90, 180 days ago to go to the grocery store. I mean, the price of chicken right now is astronomical to me. To the, to the extent that I bought very bad tasting chicken the other week and it was a, a you know, a conversation in the household. So I, I do think that right now it's tempting because money appears to be very cheap and it seems like it may, may stay cheap for a while. And then cost of goods right now are very expensive. And there's a lot of conversations around, is this a good time to buy a house or a bad time to buy the house? Because the inventory is low, but the money is cheap. And so you know, I'll talk it back to you, Peg, and say, is there any specific kind of debt that you think would be most interesting to cover first? Because um, I think it is such a
2: balancing act. Well, let's talk about that. um, When you brought up housing, you know, characteristics of good debt, and let's talk a little bit about if there's an asset behind that debt or there's no asset behind it.
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Yeah. So, you know, there are certain there are certain purchases that it's unrealistic to expect that you are going to have all the money available to you instantaneously to go pay cash for it. And, you know, if we start first with the one that most people are thinking about, and as to think about who's listening right now, you know, you may be wondering if it's a good time to use a mortgage um, in terms of, pulling either equity out of your house to update your existing house, or if you're thinking about buying a second home, um, you know, we have a lot of clients that are talking to us about, gosh, I really want to buy a place in Florida or in Arizona, and I just don't know because the market's so hot there. You know, is this a good time to buy? Is it a good time to buy, you know, in my state of residence? And, you know, Peg, I, I think that you would agree that if you plan to stay in that house, For a longer period of time there's no bad time to buy a home when we think about it rationally especially with rates as low as they are there is always an element of expense to having a roof over your head the question is you know does that expense fit within your budget overall and is the amount of debt on that property um you know is it realistic enough to say i'm carrying some element of equity and I have good debt associated with the house. So even if we went through something as terrible as the financial crisis, you know, where people really struggled with their home equity lines or if they were using margin, for instance, um, you know, they had to have a lot of cash suddenly available to fix those problems or called debt. Um, you know, so we would encourage people to really focus on staying within that conventional uh, 30-year debt structure and then... Um, from there trying to pay down, you know, any excess and just servicing a smaller amount of debt that was realistic within your overall budget.
2: You actually were quoted recently in the Wall Street Journal talking about paying off mortgages. And I know that you had mentioned, you know, uh, something about retirement and when somebody's at a certain age, you felt that maybe they should pay off their mortgage. And can you just comment on that, uh, that quote that you Talked about in the Wall Street
0: Journal?
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: It was a really interesting piece, and I I found that,
3: you know, the journalist was receiving a lot of feedback from other asset managers that uh, even if you were retired right now, that it it didn't make sense uh, to pay off your home, that the market was so hot and that interest rates are so low that no matter where you were in life, uh, as the piece was specific to retirees, that you should have a mortgage because money's cheap. And, and my comment was, I do not believe that that is fundamentally true. Um, because one of the things that we experienced in practice and most recently in 2008, nine, 10 was when the market sells off, it is, you have to service your debt if you have it, meaning your rate of distribution off of your assets. Or your your income needs remain higher when you have debt to service, and in a period of where the market is not just going up, up, up in perpetuity, that requires the sale of securities to meet those expenses. Unless, of course, your all of your income is derived from pension, social security, but even to that extent, debt isn't always a good thing to have just because rates are low. And I think this is where, you know, debt takes a position in terms of your overall financial plan. And I do think there is validity in having no debt at all. Um, Because when we think about money being cheap right now, sure, maybe you can have a mortgage at 3%, but it's very hard to find a 3% dividend. Um, and so it's not to say that I've guaranteed income from my investments to service that debt or to service that rate of interest because banks aren't stupid they're charging a prevailing rate of interest uh, based on where you know where the fixed income or the equity markets are uh, and so it's not a one-for-one trade-off you have to take real risk to offset even cheap debt and I think that that gets missed a lot uh, you know by people who are not, Taking a holistic approach to financial planning, but are thinking just about, can the market beat the rate of return on debt right now? And the answer is yes, over time, but that is not to say that every year that's going to happen. And that's not to say that taxes aren't part of your income strategy. And, you know, in such a, a snowball of, uh, of planning that one needs to take into consideration, which is where my comment was coming from in that piece.
2: Yeah. So, so far we've talked about how to avoid debt in the first place. And then we talked about debt is kind of the opposition of, um, saving. And then we talked about mm-hmm. characteristics of good debt and we talked about mortgages. Um, what I'd like to do is very quickly, like within a minute, cause I'd love, we've got some, yes. we've already got a bunch of texts coming in wanting to oh, ask good. questions. So, so uh, just in, like, the next 30 seconds or so, how would you go about tackling, like, paying down debt that's maybe not so great? And you don't, maybe if you don't have a lot of time, we can come back on the backside because I'd love to get listeners involved. Yeah. You know, paying down debt,
3: uh, the first thing, to be honest, the first thing I would say is look around your house and say, is there a lot of stuff around here that I can sell? I mean, I know it sounds so silly, but I'm constantly amazed at what I hear from clients they sold that people want off of Craigslist, off of these Facebook marketplaces. Um, And then second to that, I would start prioritizing. And then third to that, I want to remind listeners, you can even refinance a car loan. You know, there are ways to go out there and look for 0% interest rate, whether it's a credit card or a loan, and it might be a shorter period of time. But those shorter periods of time with 0% rates hold you accountable to that payment plan because if you don't want to pay interest on it, you got to get it done in 24 to 36 months. And I like that. I like taking the bad debt. I like the – it takes work, but you consolidate it, you create a schedule, and then there's light at the end of the tunnel versus feeling like this is never going to end because it can only afford the interest. And so, you know, get proactive with that would be my
2: my comment. Great. Rossini, let's get some listeners involved.
1: Sounds great, Peg and Nicole. All right, if you have questions for them, and again, great advice on clearing debt. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six is the number for both calling and texting. So Nicole had mentioned the term good debt. So this listener is wondering what do you describe as good debt versus bad debt? Well yeah, um, so yeah, Nicole, go Peg, ahead. Do you want
3: to
2: No, Peg,
3: please. I feel like okay, fine.
2: <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> uh, you know, some, some of the, you know, debt that's used to
3: purchase an asset that will appreciate in value or that you anticipate over time will appreciate in value or is an absolute need. So a few examples of that would be, we already talked about mortgages, so I'm going I'm to table that, um, you know, college debt. You have to invest in yourself. And, if you are going back to college or, you know, trying to figure out what it is that you want to do for a career, yes, it is expensive, but it's an investment in yourself. And if you believe that you are going back to school, I'm a big advocate for if you are going back to school for a trade. And what I mean is by a trade is it's an actual skill set that needs or necessitates that that, that program of institutional education whether that's a trade in the traditional sense or nursing or accounting or a law degree, that is good debt. It's investing in your career and your earning potential, and it's accreditation that's necessary. Another example of that would be taking on business loans. Um, Again, that's investing in yourself. Not every business, not every startup ends up going the right way, but you're investing in yourself, and you're protecting your personal assets by setting up your business entity in the right way. And, again, I think that that's really important. Um, You know, cars. I I talked about refinancing car debt, but you need a car to drive to work, to get your family around, to go to the grocery store. You know, having the money on hand to just go pay cash for a car or one that's reliable or meets all the safety standards for your family, those are difficult things. But I would also say, um, you know, when it comes to cars, just thinking about whether or not it's a car that you could afford to just lease and not, and, and have a fixed payment without knowing that there's those expenses. If that gets better into your budget, you're a low mileage driver, or does it make sense to buy a brand new car where the dealership's offering 0% financing versus buying a used car where you're paying a higher rate of interest? These are all, you know, numbers that I would encourage people to run to find the best version of debt, uh, for their family. And then, Anything that might be tax deductible or looking into amortization, um, you know, this is one of those where people will come come to our teams and say, I'm thinking about buying X, Y, and Z. Maybe it's a fifth wheel or an RV. And they're trying to figure out, do I use my home equity line of credit? Do I pay cash from it out of my investments? You know, and, and so you start to look for, is there a way to have good debt, deductible interest, as an example, well, buying something that otherwise wouldn't have deductible interest if I didn't, if I went a traditional financing route. So those are some ways that, that we talk about good debt.
2: Yeah. And the only thing I would add, Nicole, that was all really, really good is, uh, just credit cards in general. I know when I was younger, oh, yeah. I, I fell into the trap. I, I didn't really realize that when you put more on the credit card, actually the monthly payment was higher. And I, uh-huh. you know, I learned that the hard way because my parents didn't even use credit cards. I think today the knowledge about credit cards is much grander, but right. I encourage my clients to avoid them at all costs because they're yeah. double digit returns. And normally what you're putting on a credit card has no asset value. And that's what the, right. the texter wanted to know. You know, what is bad debt? Well, that credit card debt is probably the worst debt and the debt that right. we try to Get those clients to pay off first. Right. Um, so, and I'll
3: say in practice, and I'll say in practice too, Peg, <clears throat> if you are working with a financial advisor, don't hide the fact that you have outstanding credit card debt. I, I think it's one of those things that's really hard for people to fess up to, um, and it's generally one of those things where we encourage them to take, um, where, to be really proactive with their payment plan or help them get it paid down to zero. I think. Uh, sometimes yeah. people feel a little bit guilty when they let it happen because financially they don't necessarily appear on paper like they, they should have those issues, um, but they happen to everyone. So if it's happened yeah. to you, fess up to it and, and create a plan so that you're not stuck in that interest trap.
1: All right, ladies, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna need to go to break, but I want to remind people of the number six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Peg and Nicole Webb today, you got double the trouble, double the fun. (laughs) So we are talking debt and investments. Give us a ring when your money returns.
0: This program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain, but not all, investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth. Health Enhancement Group, helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money.
1: Rashini Rajkumar bringing you back to your money on this Sunday morning. Your hosts today, Peg Webb and Nicole Webb, and they are talking about good debt, bad debt, taking your questions about investing and debt today. Call us, 651-989-9226. You can also text that number. Peg? Yeah, let me uh,
2: reintroduce our guest today because some people kind of join us uh, during halftime. Bruce has a well-deserved day off, Bruce, so I ha- hope you're having a good time. We have Nicole Webb, Senior Vice President of Wealth Enhancement Group. She's a financial advisor. She actually is a certified financial planner. She's a roundtable specialist on our uh, team She's one of the first people that, uh, went to New York City and opened that office. But you, many of you may have heard her and, 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 uh, she's been quoted in Wall Street Journal. She's on Bloomberg. She's on Fox Business. And Nicole, you, um, have been around financial services your entire life, but you chose to come to Wealth Enhancement Group, uh, 16 years ago or so. Do you want to just give a little bit about why you chose our company?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, the more, probably the most interesting part of the story is that I chose to leave and, and then I saw what the rest of the world was like in the financial services industry and that as soon as I was, uh, offered an opportunity to come back, I came running. Uh, and that was, uh, things in part two are still seated and incredible CEO, Jeff Deco. So I, you know, I thought that the institutional Wall Street side of this industry was where you know, all of the real great thoughts and, uh, you know, great planning happens, And then what I saw was it's actually working with the end clients, giving them real sound advice, unified solutions that are not just binary and isolated to here's an investment strategy that's worked in the past and here's the reasons you should invest in it. Instead, uh, the unification that Wealth Enhancement Group brings forward, this idea that, you know, there is no investment strategy uh, in silo that works. An investment strategy has to be prescriptive to what stage of life you're in, um, what your current and future tax rates are, uh, what your legacy plan is. Are you currently philanthropic? Or do you have future philanthropic intents? Um, And so I use this word prescriptive often because I think it is the summation of what Wealth Enhancement Group is, whether it is in that onboarding process where we prescribe what is necessary and what the action plan is to get started, to maybe clean up some of the things that haven't been tackled yet, but then it's the ongoing prescriptive advice in you come in for your review meetings and in preparation for that, our roundtable comes together to say, here are the things that have happened in the in the universe around us that uniquely impact you. And again, we're prescribing this set of actions or just so you know, we might tell you to do this in the coming weeks, months, or year because we're waiting to see what changes come down the pipeline. And so when I talk about why I'm so passionate, what my why is behind Wealth Enhancement Group, Um, it is truly that. And so I'm, I'm forever grateful, um, to you and Bruce and the founders of the company. But then, um, also I've, I've gone to New York City and (laughs) I've seen what the the rest of of the financial services industry is like.
1: And I'm still really proud to be here.
2: Wow. Well said. Thank you for that. Rashini, let's get listeners involved.
1: All right, and I want to remind everyone the number, 651-989-9226, for your calls and your texts. This person says, sarcastic question for Peg. If the government charges you for underpaid taxes, why would I not get interest from them when they don't get me my return promptly? (laughs) I, I
2: love that. I love that. Did you know that there is a quote out there, life is not fair? (laughs) <laughs> I would say. Um, I've often thought that, too, but it is the government. Uh, Nicole, even though they suggested or pointed to me, do you want to comment on that one? I, I'm just wondering if it was my dad that sent that comment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I, you know, it's so funny because uh, I actually kicked off the morning in my own personal household uh, talking to my mic uh, about, taxes and just how unfair they are. So I'm just going to say that I don't know if that was a question, but perhaps I'll just go with I like that comment. That was fun.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, there is a lot of frustration with our clients right now with the IRS. Uh, You know, a lot of it's due to COVID. They're hard to get a hold of. Um, We've actually assisted clients in in trying to get their questions answered. Uh, I I feel for everybody out there. Uh, in this circumstance, but I would just say be patient. I think we're on the backside here of COVID, and I think things are going to get a little bit back to normal. So, um, yeah, so let's take another one, Sheenie. All
1: right, ladies, this person says, what percentage of the Wealth Enhancement Group members are CFPs? Yeah,
2: percentage-wise. Okay, so the question is, how many of our financial advisors are certified financial planners? Which maybe first, Nicole, if you want to just describe what that is and how Mm -hmm. you become a certified financial planner, and then um, I'll talk about the percentage. Yeah,
3: sounds good. Uh, The first thing that I'm going to just actually kick off here with, which I think is the most important part of being a certified financial planner or CFP professional, um, you know, is that that fiduciary element. And, you know, oftentimes, I think about our clients or our prospective clients, and how in the world do you go about finding the right advisor, and how do you ask them the right questions and know if you're getting authentic answers? I do a lot of speaking engagements to other industry professionals, and I generally will kick off some of those presentations by asking a room full of advisors, have you ever Googled interview questions for financial advisors? and I generally will get a room full of professionals, many of them being CFPs, who immediately start laughing. I mean, I get the response of laughter. And the reason is because it is really bad advice that most uh, people are getting from Google about how you should go about picking your advisor. And I think one of the great things that's come to light over recent years is how important this term fiduciary is. And so while I want to give myself all the accolades in the world for being a CFP and going through the rigorous coursework and the 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 horrific testing, um, what I also want to say is what comes out of that is that you have a fiduciary responsibility to your client. But many times when you're working with a registered investment advisory like Wealth Enhancement Group, a registered investment advisory itself, our asset management arm of our business, also has a fiduciary responsibility so what i want you to know is if you are working with an advisor at wealth enhancement group who doesn't carry the cfp credentials you are still working with a firm wealth enhancement advisory services who is a fiduciary as an asset manager and i think that that is just a really important distinction because many people who come came up through the decades of this industry might not carry that credential but the firm itself, the asset management arm of the firm, is a fiduciary. And then the CFP professional is that um, holistic approach to giving advice based on what is in the best interest of my client. Uh, and with that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not up to date on exactly how the program works now. I've carried the designation for about a decade, uh, maybe a bit longer at this point. I'm not sure. But uh, I do know that it takes most people about two years to complete the coursework, Um, And it's a very rigorous uh, exam. When I took it, it it was with pen and paper, and it took um, about two full days of testing. Um, And so it's something to be very proud of and proud of the professional you work with if they do carry that designation. Um, My biggest takeaway from it is it taught me my own strengths and weaknesses. It really showed me where I have the most interest in this industry, and it really proved to me the power of the roundtable and knowing I can't possibly know it all. I know enough about all of it to have passed that exam, but I am so grateful to have experts in every one of those areas because I can't keep up with it all. So, um, Peg, I don't know if you
2: found that statistic, but (laughs) I'll hand it back over to you. The statistic, before we go to the statistic, I, you know, a lot of our listeners believe in education and, and learning and what I think the certified financial planning Um, To get that certification, you have to go through, you know, a series of modules and learn about all the facets of comprehensive planning. And when I talk about comprehensive planning, especially to prospective new clients, it's a very eye-opening conversation because so many people think about investments only and Mm -hmm. I need to get the best rate of return but what the certified financial planner organization is out there, you know, uh, advertising is, you need to know so much more than that. And that is the premise of of uh, how we feel that you need comprehensive planning, not just investment management. Wealth Enhancement Group has a very high percentage of certified financial planners. And it, it's kind of naturally, I don't know the exact percentage, but um, of course we would. We're comprehensive planners, and it ties into, that education ties into exactly who we are. So, Rashini, let's uh, get more listeners involved.
1: All right. We'll remind everyone the phone number, 651 989 This listener says, is there a best time during the year to draw money out of a mutual fund to pay off a high-interest vehicle loan? Mm.
2: Okay, so... A person has a mutual fund out there. uh, We don't know whether it's stock-oriented or, you know, bond-oriented, but let's just assume that it's in stock. And let's Mm -hmm. say that uh, the stock market has done so well that they Mm -hmm. probably have more money in there today than they had two years ago, that's for sure, and now they may Mm -hmm. have capital gains, but should they Mm -hmm. sell those shares and pay off debt? If it's bad debt
3: and the interest rate is high, And the market is high. And we can, you know, I you know, if if I was if I got to pick my career at the task, you know, it would be um, you know, she changed she changed the conversation from rate of return to net after tax rate of return. This is in its simplest form though, I would say if you have bad debt that's at a high interest rate and you can sell something while the market is high um to pay off that debt and perhaps it's gonna cost you some in tax. You're still going to be better off in the end, and so I am just not a debt. I'm just not a debt person, and and Peg, you know that all too well. Because yeah, I I wonder.
2: I wonder (laughs) you you've you've kind of witnessed that through life with me. I'm just not a big debt person. The other thing that's happening, Nicole, and I see this in our practice, is that because the stock market has done so well, a lot of these Mm -hmm. portfolios are out of balance. And they actually have a higher percentage of stock than they should. And we're suggesting that they rebalance the um, portfolio. And one of the things that happens is you're kind of forced to sell stocks, right? Because you're 5% over, you're 10% over your uh, allocation. And talk a little bit about um, how we do that, why we do that. And then in this case with the texter, why Uh maybe that's what you should do. You know, you're rebalancing, yeah. and then what do you do with the money? Well, maybe you pay down yeah. that bad debt.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the most important things is to just kick this off by saying everything I'm about to say is not about timing the market, it's about thoughtful planning. And I know that that seems, it seems almost like a cop out, but it's not. Uh, when the market has moved. Um, with this speed of recovery and swiftness, um, that is not to say that there aren't elements of real risk out there. And it, it I get it. There certainly appears to be a lot of wind in the sails, um, and I know that that conversation keeps coming up. And then, if you let your brain go to the other side, you go, "Okay, I see all the wind in the sails, but I also see all the fear and risk because there's going to be a lot of change." And Peg and I, we were having a conversation before this just about some of that when it comes to corporate minimum tax, the strength of the economy, inflation, what that means for rates. You know, so I think the headline news is vacillating between B-shaped recovery, market set to do, risk on, keep going. And then, you know, the other side of the headline news is uh, inflation, interest rates rising, you know, it's a 10 year, all of this and people just go, ah, I don't know what to do. And quite frankly, you should go, ah, I don't know what to do. What are the actions that make the most sense for me? And the best laid plans are the ones that are rooted in the foundation of, here is what is going on in my life now, here's what's probably going to happen in the next zero to three years, and then here's some of the long-term planning. And so I go back to, if you are out of balance, then it is time to look at your portfolio and make thoughtful decisions. And this conversation around, I don't want to sell my stocks because bonds don't pay anything is not a good way to think about it and for any of you listening that know me you've probably heard this before but i say it all the time because i think it's powerful if you have a 100 and you lose 30 percent you have 70 and when the market rebounds 30 percent, how much do you have and the answer is 91 and some change because it always takes you more return to get more return to get back to whole than it ever took you to lose it and so when we talk about de-risking a portfolio or when we talk about selling out of the stock market to pay off bad debt, what we're really talking about is those bumpers on the bowling alley, that constraint around volatility that is so valuable. And it doesn't feel valuable in a moment like we're living in today, but it's incredibly valuable when, when the rug gets pulled out from underneath us. And the funny thing about the risk in the market is, Whatever the future volatility is, it's probably already living out there. We just don't know what it is yet. And so I would just say no one's a good predictor of the future, so go back to making decisions rooted in your financial plan. Um, and, and so I would encourage this listener to, to absolutely uh, take stock of, you know, how things look and, and what a really smart way is to pay off that debt while, while maintaining the integrity of their overall
1: financial plan all right so peg and nicole we have about five minutes left of the show we'll go to pat from maple grove hi pat hi
2: good morning i just i have two quick questions number one it's been 14 weeks since my taxes were put in electronically by my tax preparer and i still don't have my tax refund is there a federal tax refund is there anything i can do about that and secondly, what's the actual difference between a financial advisor and a financial planner? Um, is it a good idea to go with? For instance, I have a financial who I think is a financial advisor at my credit union. Um, so that's it. Those are the two. Yeah, Nicole, we've got about three minutes. If you want to just quickly okay. take one or the or both.
3: Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I'm going to say is just thank you for calling in. I'm always impressed by people who are willing to put themselves out there and call into a live radio show. So thank you for that. And then, um, you know, there's been countless emails floating around. Our roundtable is real. We All of our advisors across the country actually really rely on each other um, to get answers for our clients. And what I've seen is endless emails going out asking if there's any actionable items to get these refunds uh, issued out to people. And Peg, last I saw, there wasn't really anything anyone could do. Just, uh, I think it was uh, USA Today maybe even ran a newspaper article about a
2: week ago um talking about just this. I, I, I don't want to say yeah. you're out of luck, but it just seems like it's just totally behind. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you have to be patient yeah. at this point. So, let's go to the advisor versus a planner or um, is there a difference there with all this terminology?
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm so careful in ever wanting to say that what you have today isn't the right thing for you. So I'm going to tiptoe lightly and just say uh, we almost interchangeably at our firm use the terms advisor and planner Um, though we do have a dedicated team of advanced planning specialists that aren't necessarily client-facing day in and day out, but are resources to our advisors for that depth of knowledge and expertise, um, simply because Peg and I can't be meeting with clients all day and working with our team to, to you know, give that feedback back to our clients where we can be reading about the SECURE Act and the CARES Act and the Biden tax proposals. And and so we really rely on our advanced planning team to spend their days staying on top of all of the work that goes into knowing the planning aspect of this job. So, you know, I would just take a look at your current advisor and their team um, and just, you know, determine from that if you have the right team of advocates um you know who can uh who can bring forward you know all the depths of of resources necessary in this environment that just seems to be changing constantly
2: yeah and i would add to that nicole in just saying make sure that you ask questions because i think one of the things that happens is people come to us as a prospective client uh for us then they're saying you know they don't answer my questions a lot of times they don't answer it because they don't have the comprehensive planning piece and it is hard to answer a question if you don't have your arms around that whole client so to me you're either an investment client where you're just looking for money management or you need to say I want comprehensive planning and what that means once again is the advisor planner whatever they're called have to have their arms around you to know every facet of your life to give you the best advice.
1: Mm-hmm. Roshini? All right, Peg and Nicole, great stuff today. I'm going to read this question, but I'm going to hope that you can think about it for next week, or maybe um, the listener will write in. They're talking about Wealth Enhancement Group, talking about not timing the market. They've heard others on our airwaves talking about timing the market, so they want to know who's right. So maybe Peg, you can think <laughs> about that during the week, and we can well, get into we'll that, pick that next, up next Sunday. week. For sure. Yes, we'll pick that, that up would be great. Week. Well, so fun to be with both of you today, Peg and Nicole. You're fabulous together. Um, I see, you know, huge uh, talk shows in your future. I mean, It's great to hear you together. Um, always wonderful to have our listeners on Your Money. Peg and Bruce will be back next Sunday along with me. Same time, same airwaves. Uh, next Sunday, we hope you have a fabulous week. And remember, during the week, you can call in for your questions, 8886 advice, or email peg and Bruce, your money at wealth Meantime, make it a great week.
0: The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc.